Well, happy Sunday, Go Church. Come on, you happy to be here? Make some noise real quick. Come on now. Come on, you're glad to be alive. Come on. Fantastic. You look great, by the way. What an honor it is to have all of you here at our South Metro Atlanta campuses, our broadcast campus. And this is a great looking group of people in the room today. And what an honor it is to also welcome our Germantown, Maryland campus family. So many of you know this, but we're one church in multiple locations. We've got our South Metro Atlanta family and then 700 miles north of here in the greater Washington, D.C. area is our Germantown campus. So can we welcome them today? Come on, everybody in the room, make some noise for everybody at Germantown. And then we want to say hello to everybody watching online. Thanks for tuning in today. Got a great online campus, and we pray that the same power of God and the same spirit of God that we feel in this room, you feel online today as well. If you need anything throughout the gathering, uh, drop that in the comment section or the chat section. We've got a great team waiting there for you, and uh, they'll be able to pray for you, answer some questions. And so we welcome everybody online. And then we always pause to give honor to the incredibly brave military men and women and all of the awesome first responders. And I always ask you to do this. We give a lot of applause of appreciation, but when it comes to those who are putting their lives at risk and on the line to serve and protect ours, I think they deserve the biggest applause of appreciation. So come on, can we do that now? Come on, thank you for serving. Come on, go church, real loud, real, real proud. Great. And I'll give you one, uh, one quick announcement before we jump into uh, the message for today. We've been announcing this for a couple of weeks consecutively now, but next Sunday, next Sunday is our Vision Sunday here at Go Church. Uh, we do this twice a year. We do it at the beginning of the year, or early part of the year, and then we do it early fall as well. It's a great day to hear some updates on all of the wonderful things that God is doing at Go Church. And when I was praying this morning, I really felt impressed in my spirit just to remind you that next Sunday is not only about information, but it will be a day of inspiration as well. So we're going to celebrate all of the great things that God has done and he is doing and he will do through some information. But we're going to dive into the word of God together. It's going to be a can't miss Sunday. As a matter of fact, we're calling it the back to church edition. So in 2020... Uh, you know, the, the doors of most churches around the country were closed. Thank God that the church never shut down. Come on, you can't shut down Jesus. Y'all gonna help me preach earlier, what? But the, the doors of many churches have been closed and, and that's created an opportunity for some people to get a little comfortable at home. So I'm just gonna challenge you. If you needed a challenge, if you needed a nudge, if you needed a reminder that you got a church family that loves you and we miss you, let this upcoming Sunday be that reminder. We're calling everybody back in person. If you feel safe and you feel ready and uh, you're ready to come back to the house of the Lord, we'd be glad to have you. So this is for both campuses, all locations. Now with this, uh, there is a time change. So at our South Metro campus, everybody in this room, this affects you beginning next week. We're rearranging our gathering times to 9 and 1045 a.m. That starts next Sunday on the count of three. Everybody say next Sunday, one, two, three. Next Sunday, 9 and 1045 a.m. And then for Germantown, for this season, you're going to continue to meet at 6 p.m. at the office space there. And so thank you for accommodating these adjustments and these changes. I would imagine that just about every household and every business and every organization around the world has had to adopt and adapt to the flow of 2020. And so we're trying to continue to accommodate you and your family and your needs. We're trying to create a safe and social distance gathering for both of our campuses. And so we feel like this change of time will do that and do that well. So again, next Sunday, 9 and 1045 for everybody here and then 6 p.m. for all of you at 
Germantown. If you got it, say, I got it. Come on, are you ready for the word? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Here we go. We're in the final week of a three-week series that we've been doing called Break the Cycle. I really pray that uh, this uh, collection of conversations has been a challenge to you, been a little bit of a conviction to you. I know it has been for me. I, I pray that it's given many of you some hope and uh, some encouragement that uh, the rest of your life can be the best of your life. Come on. That God does not want you to live in bondage. God does not want you to live, you know, in, uh, in a generational curse. God doesn't want you wrestling with some form of addiction. God, God wants you free. It's why he sent his son Jesus to give us freedom. And God, God wants you free. And so we've been looking at this series to try to bring an angle or a perspective to help us realize that through the power of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can break the cycle. And it doesn't have to just be some, you know, easily identifiable sin by, by drugs or alcohol or, or sexual immorality or pornography. Uh, for many of you, it can be breaking the cycle of poor financial stewardship. Uh, for many of you, it can be breaking the cycle of, of wrong thinking and, and a bad perspective. Whatever, whatever it is that is keeping you from pursuing God and living a life of freedom, I believe that God wants to set you free from those things so that you can pursue him and so that you can become everything that he desires for you to become. Now, if you're wondering a little bit more about the idea of this series, here's really the primary thought that we've been looking at together. And the thought is this, how can I stop acting like the person that I don't wanna be? And if you're being honest and I'm being honest, we've all had a moment in our life or a season in our life where We've looked at the, the man or the woman staring back at us in the mirror and we said, I don't, I don't like that person anymore. How do I stop being that guy or how do I stop being that, that girl and how do I start being the man of God that God wants me to be or how do I become the woman of God that God wants me to be? And this question, you're not the only one that has ever wrestled with this. Uh, even in the Bible, you look at the Apostle Paul, you can go to Romans chapter seven. He's writing this letter to the church of Rome, he's at this point in time, he's in a Greek city called Corinth. He writes his longest letter of all of his letters. Paul wrote two thirds of the New Testament. And, and when he's writing this letter, he gets to chapter number seven, almost halfway through the book of Romans. And it's just a continuation of Romans six. And he's writing to two groups of people. He's writing to the one group who would be considered under the law. That means that they're living according to the flesh. And he's also writing to the group that is living under grace, which means they're living according to the spirit. And here's what he says. He says, I've discovered this principle of life. This was written thousands of years ago, and it's just as appropriate and applicable to us today. He says, this is the principle that I've learned. When I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. How many of you have been there? Come on, me too. Like, I want to do the right thing, but I keep doing the wrong thing. And, and I think without taking Paul's words out of context, I think he would say to us, and I don't like the person that I'm becoming. I know that, I know that God is calling me to be better and to do better. And, and he's calling me to more and he's calling me to this life of freedom. But at the end of the day, I want to do what's right. I inevitably do what's wrong. He says, now let's not get it twisted. I love God. I love his, I love his word. I, I love his law. He says, but there is this power that's within me that is at war with my mind. 
I, I, I really wrestled with this in my spirit early this morning because, I mean, how do I say this the way that I feel like it needs to be said? I think so many of us are stuck in a habitual pattern of sin and addiction because of the battlefield in your mind. I, I, tell, I tell a lot of people this often that you are only one foot away from freedom, from here to here. Every single one of us in this room, we, we believe it's possible here, but it's going that one extra foot to get it here. Can I, can I share something with you real quick? When Jesus died on the cross, he died at the place called Golgotha. Do you know what Golgotha stands for, what it means? It literally means the place of the skull. Where is your mind located? In your skull. Some 2,000 years ago, Jesus knew that there would be a war in your mind, so he already defeated that very place, come on now, so that you could have freedom. And Paul says, I'm at, I've got this uh, power that's within me, it's at war with my mind, and I think that's where many of you are. You've got this wrestling, this warfare in your mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. A couple more verses. Oh, what a miserable person that I am. And then he says this, he says, who's gonna break the cycle? Who's gonna set us free? Who, who's, gonna, who's gonna break those generational curses down? Who, who's, gonna, who's gonna release us? Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And I love verse 25 because 25 is, is not only the answer to that question, but verse 25 is the answer to every question. He says, the answer, it's Jesus Christ, our Lord. Can you give me an amen right there? Amen. Jesus Christ is the answer because he is our Lord. You know, in a, in a series like this, you wonder how, or at least I do, how relevant or practical or real time this conversation could be. Again, we say this often, one of the beautiful things about Go Church is our diversity from age to ethnicity, to, to background, to, to, to faith background, you name it, we got this beautiful kind of golden corral, if you will. Some of y'all love golden corral. Worst thing about 2020 for you was the shutdown of them buffets. Come on, somebody in the South. We got this beautiful kind of mixture of, of people, and, and I would imagine that a series like this, you may not feel would, would be for you, but I think we would be surprised to realize how many people a message or a collection of conversations like this would really impact. And week number one of this series, my, uh, my brother-in-law came and he shared. Uh, he's the executive director of No Longer Bound. His name is Edward Bailey. And uh, the, the original plan was to kind of do a Q&A with him. And a few days before Sunday, he called and he said, man, I feel like, I feel like God just wants me to share my heart. Could, could I just share? And so I felt like that was the Lord. And so... If you were here on week number one, it was a powerful day, brought a couple of guys from the No Longer Bound program. Uh, they sang and, and worshiped at the end of one of those gatherings. And I'm gonna be very careful here to maintain the integrity and privacy of, of the family that attends this particular uh, campus. But at the end of that gathering, a young man came up who was in that gathering and he began to share in this altar space with my brother-in-law about the challenges of addiction that he's been facing. This morning, He's in the hospital fighting for his life because of a drug overdose. This morning, within weeks of saying, I, I wanna be free, I, I wanna break the cycle, the enemy of this world unleashed hell on that young man 
to lure him back into or to keep him into a lifestyle that is not only contradictory of God's desire, but to keep him from becoming everything that God really wants him to be. Can I, can I tell you something? And I hope that I can say this in a respectful way because I love you enough to tell you the truth. And if you want to know what Go Church is about, it's a kingdom culture church. You always going to get the truth. You hear me? You always going to get the truth. The truth of the matter is this, is that some of you continue to play patty cake with the enemy. You continue to play games with the enemy. This is not a game. The Bible tells us, and this is a little repetitive, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I want you to know something, that the war that you're facing, the war that you're fighting is because the enemy wants you dead. He wants you laid up in some hospital bed fighting for your life because you've fallen into the traps of sin and temptation. And I want to tell you something, that, that the enemy will package or wrap up sin in a way that looks fun, looks enticing. The enemy will, will put things in front of you that makes you pause for a moment and think, wow, that might actually bring me whatever it is that I think I, I need etc. Craig Rochelle, a wonderful pastor known all around the world. This is how he talks about sin. He says, sin thrills and then it kills. He goes on. You should write this down. He says, it fascinates and then assassinates. And that is the plan of the enemy to use sin to provide this thrill, but ultimately there is a way that seems right unto a man, but at the end, it's the way of destruction. Sin always looks fascinating, but it's luring you in to destroy you and to assassinate you. And I hope that this message, with whatever challenges or burdens or strongholds or generational bondages that you're wrestling with, that there comes a moment where you recognize that whom the son set free is free indeed, that you have an opportunity to get free. Does anybody believe that today? Come on, do you believe that? Okay. Uh, let me give you, let me give you the, this, this process of sin. I think this is important. Uh, most people don't just move right into sin. Typically, there, there is a process. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you four things here uh, that I found true to be in my life. The process of sin always begins with a thought. It always begins with just a, a thought. That's why 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 is so important that you take captive every single thought. It's a fleeting thought for a lot of us. It's a moment where this idea or this temptation, again, from here to here, one foot to freedom, right? The warfare in our mind, this is where it all begins. The enemy attacks us in our thought process. And Paul says you got to take every thought Captive. If you don't, and I can't, I can't tell you how many times that there have been these random thoughts that have come into my brain and I've been like, no, no, in the name of Jesus. Anybody with me? I will say absolutely not in the name of Jesus. I ain't going down that road. But what happens is, is that if we don't take every captive thought, then that thought stirs or fascinates or stimulates our imagination. And now we begin to imagine about the opportunity or the possibility of participating in whatever that thought is. And watch the process. Once you begin to think on it and your imagination is stimulated, then it moves to justification. And now you begin to tell yourself, you know what? It's really not that bad. 
Or I, here's one I hear a lot, and I've even said it, you know, I, I deserve this. You better be careful what you say you deserve. Come on now. I, I, I deserve this. Or we'll say things like, and, and you can fill in the blank, it's only one. And we begin to justify it. Again, it's like patty cake, patty cake with the enemy. We didn't take the thought captive. Our imagination begins to be moved. We start to justify the behavior that we're about to do. And then this is where the rubber meets the road because now you have a choice. You have a choice to make. And you can either choose the sin or you can choose victory and freedom. Every single one of us were given free will to choose which path we'll take, which road we'll take. And if we're not careful, we'll allow the process of sin to play out. And ultimately, when we get to choice, we've already made the decision. Every day you wake up, you're at war. I told you this last Sunday, every day you wake up, it is uh, your spirit man or your spirit woman versus the flesh. Every day it's, it's this, uh, this combat, this war of these two fighting against one another, the spirit versus the flesh. And I told you this last Sunday, but I want you to write it down that what you feed grows and what you starve dies. Now, a moment ago, during what we call our ministry moment, Pastor Ben talked about his plants. We dug them up. Come on, somebody. Not really. I didn't really dig up your plants. This is a very simple illustration because it demonstrates and shows the reality of whatever, whatever you feed is going to give you life or it's going to have life. Let me say it that way. That whatever you feed, it is going to have life. And the difference of these two plants has everything to do with one had the right nutrition, one had the right supplement, one had the right care, one had the right food and vitamin and all of the things that you green thumbs know about, right? And the other was neglected. The, the, other, the other was starved to death. I think in order to kill this particular plant for this illustration, they poured bleach in this bucket. Come on, somebody. And isn't, isn't that what happens? We, we begin to pursue one and poison the other. Now, now, these plants could stand for a bunch of different things in your mind and in your heart, but at the end of the day, whatever you feed is going to grow. So if you feed the sinful desire, then your sinful desire is going to grow. I, I've shared this before, and I'll share it again, but you know, uh, I've, I've been sober without an alcoholic beverage for 20 years. You ought to say amen to that right there. Come on now. And uh, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a couple of ways that I've been able to maintain uh, sobriety, because it's not been 20 years of not having temptation. Did you catch that? It's not been 20 years of never having the thought of, man, I could really use a drink right now. No, 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 no. How I've been able to maintain what and break the cycle of alcoholism that has wrecked generations of my family for decades and generations before is because I made a conscious decision that I'm not going to feed that temptation. Now, I'm not coming down on you. The Bible says to work out, on your, own, work out your own salvation this is between you and the Lord because my convictions may not be your convictions and some of your convictions may not be my convictions, but I don't believe for me and my family in social drinking because I never drank socially. When I drank, I drank to get drunk, hello? 
So the way that I've been able to maintain sobriety is I don't even have one glass of wine or one, one alcoholic beverage because nobody knows JC better than JC. It's like Lay's potato chips. You can't eat just one. Come on now. We went through Chick-fil-A the other day and had to go through the drive-thru and my God, they're amazing with that drive-thru, aren't they? And uh, we got our food and you know, we looked in the bag, like, you don't, you don't even have to check if it's right at Chick-fil-A. It's going to be right, because they hear from God when they're packing your bag. Come on now. Chick-fil-A is going to be served at the marriage supper of the lamb. I'm telling you. And uh, we looked in the bag, and staring back at us were those hot waffle fries. Hallelujah. And Kimberly just reached in, and she took one, and I thought, how dare you? Selfish. And she handed me one. We ate a fry together and we looked at each other and we just felt the Shekinah glory of the Lord all up in our minivan. And I told her, I said, it's hard to eat just one. Give me another. Come on now. By the time we got home, all them fries were gone. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You can't just have one. And so for me, watch, I've decided that I'm not going to feed the very thing that the enemy has used to try to destroy me and my family for years. I'm going to feed the spirit so that I can walk in freedom. Does this make sense to anybody? And every day you wake up, you're going to water or feed one of two plants. It's going to happen. The choice is yours. So let me give you something really practical to consider here. How do I overcome the appetites of the flesh? How do I overcome the appetites of the flesh? Let me give you the first one. There's four thoughts. Number one is this. You've got to feed your spirit with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so I've done this before. I think it's appropriate. This TV is really great because it's uh, advanced in technology. You touch it with one finger, it moves forward. You touch it with two fingers, it goes back. I'm going to go backwards because you didn't say amen well enough. I said, if you want to overcome the appetites of the flesh, you have to feed your spirit with the Holy Spirit. That's better. Come on. I'm working on some of you Baptists. Come on now. Hang in here with me. Get you shouting before the end of the day. We have to feed your spirit and feed my spirit with the Holy Spirit. How do I say this? I, I don't think that, generally speaking, that Christians rely enough on the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. I think for many people, you get God the Father, and many people understand God the Son, but because there is a lack of clarity around the person of the Holy Spirit, we just kind of stop. We kind of remove ourselves from even pursuing a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you that you need the power of the Holy Spirit in order to overcome the appetites of the flesh? Greater is he on the inside of you than he that's in the world. Who is he on the inside of you? It's, it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's the same power, the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus up from the grave is the same power that can help you break the cycle. Come on now. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to rely on the Holy Spirit. Every day that I live, I say, God, fill me with your spirit, because if I'm full of the spirit, I can't be full of anything else, hello? So fill me with your spirit from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. Fill me with the spirit of God. The Bible says in John that out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Yeah, fill me up till I overflow. Who am I talking to today? Fill me up, God, so much with the Holy Spirit 
there's not room for anything else. Here's why you need to feed your spirit with the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is who will correct you and convict you and provide you counsel. It's the Holy Spirit on the inside of you that, that, that is that voice that you should be leaning into to tell you the way that you should walk. Let me give you a couple verses here. Go to Galatians 5, uh, verses 16 and 17. Paul says, so I walk by the Spirit. I walk by the Spirit here. And I love this because I've told you that you and I were on this spiritual journey. It, it is a walk. And he says, if you're going to walk this walk of faith, you need to walk it through the Holy Spirit. Because if you do that, then you will not gratify the desires or the appetite of the flesh. Watch what he says in his writing. He says, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. What is he saying? They're at war with each other. It's the very next thought. He says they're in conflict with each other. And I love this right here, especially to all the teenagers in the room or all the teenagers watching online that say, well, it's my life. I'll do whatever I want. <laughs> Wrong. Come on, parents. Give me a good amen right there. He says, so that you are not to do whatever you want because you and I don't know what we really want. He says, and if you do what you want, you will wake up one day and you will say this, how in the world did I end up here? How did I end up here? Choices. You decided to walk according to the flesh and not according to the spirit, and it led you to this place where now you are in bondage and you can't seem to break the cycle. Go to Romans chapter number 8. He says this, he says, therefore, brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Again, it's the appetite. Every day you've got this appetite. And every day the enemy is going to urge you to do something. And he says, there's no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. He says, watch, in verse number 13, for if you live by its dictates, you will die. But through the power of the Spirit, Let, let's read this together, this highlighted yellow phrase. You ready? One, two, three. The power of the Spirit. Do it again. One, two, three. The power of the Spirit. If through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the sinful nature, you will live. And then watch what he says. He says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God, you are my sons and my daughters. I want you to write this thought down. I think it's profound and I think it'll be helpful. On my own power, I am, on my own rather, I am powerless over what? You have to fill in that blank. Um, if you don't feel like writing all this down, take a quick photo. Come on, somebody needs to be taking a photo, Snapchat or whatever you got. Come on, but write it down, take a photo. On my own, I am powerless over and you, you fill in the blank. On my own, I, I cannot break the cycle. Whatever the bondage is, whatever the addiction is, whatever the stronghold is, whatever the temptation is, you can't get freedom on your own. You can't do it. However, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I am victorious and I am free. Does anybody believe that to be true? 
So on your own, you will always be in bondage. On your own, you will always be trapped in a stronghold. But when you say yes to Jesus Christ, you are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And another sermon on another day, I'll talk to you about the difference of the inflow versus the outflow of the Holy Spirit. But for now, when you ask Jesus into your heart, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you rely on the power of the Holy Spirit and not your own power, now you get to have a victorious and free life. So let me say it in a very practical way. Stop trying to get freedom on your own. Every day, you feed your spirit with the Holy Spirit. Come on, give me an amen, church. All right, a couple more thoughts. Number two, another way to overcome the appetite of the flesh, you have to feed your spirit with prayer. With prayer. Um, let me say a couple thoughts here. If you, if you go to the gym to physically work out, the consistency of going and not just going and staring and being on your phone, but going and doing the workouts, eventually your muscles will get stronger. That makes sense, right? The same would be true with any of the spiritual disciplines. The more you practice them, the more you grow in them, the more mature you become in them, and the stronger you get in them and with them. As a church, we need to learn how to pray. And not just these, I'm in trouble, so I'm gonna pray to get out of trouble kind of prayers that we're all guilty of doing, but realizing that there is power in prayer. Do you know that prayer works? Every time you pray, God always answers you. And he'll give you one of three answers. Write these down. Yes, no, or wait. Give me the yes and the no, but don't make me wait, Lord. How many of you are with me on that? Like, why you got to make me wait? Come on now. Yes, no, or wait. But there is power in prayer. When you pray, the Bible says that the effective, fervent prayer will availeth much. When you make your requests known to God, when you petition the throne room of God, when every day before you get out of bed, the first thing out of your mouth is prayer and praise. You catch the ears of God and something in the supernatural happens. And this is important because the battle or the warfare that you're in is a spiritual battle. And so the weapons that we have to fight with are not the weapons of this world. No, the most powerful weapon that you possess as a believer in Christ Jesus through the Holy Spirit is the power of prayer. Prayer. Here's what, uh, here's what the Bible says. As a matter of fact, it's Jesus in Matthew 26. Here's what he says. He says, watch and what? Come on, do it with me. Watch and what? Yeah. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. And then look what he says. He says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I wanna do what's right, but I inevitably do what's wrong. Every day I wake up, I wanna feed the right plant, but I keep feeding the other plant. He says, your spirit is willing, but your flesh, because you're moved by the appetite of the flesh and he says the only way to overcome the temptation the only way to break the cycle is to watch and pray watch and pray watch and pray i'm going to give you a quick uh just kind of idea of a a powerful model of prayer i don't know if there's a a right or wrong way to pray necessarily 
Uh, but I think that there is an effective way to pray. Uh, I told you this story before that when I was a youth pastor in my first church ever, really small youth group of about eight to 10 students, we were so small in size that at the end of every Wednesday night, we would huddle together, hold hands and pray. We started this bus ministry and the youth group started to grow and we were bringing kids from the streets into church. So one Wednesday night, we got in the circle and said, here's what we're gonna do, we're gonna hold hands, we're gonna curse the devil and we're gonna pray. And one of the kids riding the bus, he just started cussing like, you sorry son of a bleep. It's like the Jerry Springer show. It was the most powerful prayer I've ever heard. Come on now. I had him pray every Wednesday night afterwards. I was like, you lead us in prayer. He's like, you know. <laughs> that may not be the best way to pray, but I'm telling you what, everybody heard it, including the devil. The disciples asked Jesus, how should we pray? And he said, you pray the Lord's prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, etc." But here's a great model of prayer. It's called the Acts model of prayer. Write this down real fast. I'm trying to give you some things uh, practical and biblical that can help you overcome the challenges of this cycle of, of habitual addiction and sin. When you pray, here's what you and I do. We start with what we want. So God, I need you to. All the parents in the room online at Germantown, raise your hand if, you're, if you got kids. Come on, kids. I'm just going, parents. I'm going to ask grand, grandparents because they give grandbabies whatever they want. I'm talking to parents who have rules in their home. Come on now. Um, parents, you know this, that if your son or daughter comes to you and before they ever acknowledge, you know, your sacrifice and your commitment to keeping the house in order, and they're like, I want dot, dot, dot. You know what the answer is? No. I told my kids the other day, I told them no, and they were like shocked. They hadn't heard that word in so long. I said, let me tell you in Spanish, no. <laughs> I can tell you no in multiple languages. We do that with God. We start with all of the things that we want. And I think that if as a, a father or a mother, if your children came to you and they said, how do I do it? Oh, mother, thy great mother, how I adore you on this fine morning. You'd be like, who is this and what are you smoking? But if they started with adoration, mom, dad, I don't know if I've told you how much I appreciate all that you do for me. You're the greatest mom. that You'd look at your phone and think, is it Mother's Day or Father's Day? No, it's the end of September and they're adoring you. You would be like, all right, keep going. Come on, where are we going with this? And the same with how our Father in heaven views us as children. What if we started our prayer life with adoration? God, before I ask you for one thing, I want to tell you, if you never do another thing, you've already done enough. Come on now. Is that true? God, I, I praise you. I worship you. I adore you because there is none like you. Before the desire to ask God for anything comes out of your lips, what if you just pause and you just give God the glory that he deserves and the worship that he deserves, and then you move to confession. Say, God, now there are some things that I need to lay before you. If you confess your sins to God, your Bible says that he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. God, I'm going I'm to confess some things. I know, I know that you know them already, but the discipline of confession is powerful. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you, and I'm going to ask you to forgive me of my sins. And now, now I'm going I'm to give you some thanks. I'm going to give you some thanks. I may not have everything that I want, but I've got everything that I need. Am I preaching to anybody today? And don't, and don't just, don't ever think that you don't have anything to be thankful for. 
If, you, if, you, if you've got fingers and toes and the ability to brush your teeth and wash your face and comb your hair, come on now. There's a lot to be thankful for. There's a roof over your head and a pillow on your bed and food in your refrigerator. Come on, somebody. Well, I ain't got nothing to be thankful for. You're going to go home and watch football on a 75-inch plasma screen TV. You're blessed and highly favored. Come on. Well, I don't have the nicest car, but you've got a car. Come on now. Instead, I'm about to preach to you. Instead of complaining about, well, I wish I had. What if you just pause and said, I thank you for what I do have. It may not be the car of my dreams, but it gets me to the job that pays the bills. Come on now. It might not be the best house in the neighborhood, but I'm not sleeping in a cardboard box. Come on. Woo, I feel like preaching in this house. You got a lot to be thankful for. And I thank you that, that my family ain't like that family. Come on now, crazy bunch. Y'all know who I'm talking about. I'm thankful that we're well. This is, this is the prayer we pray every night with our children. I thank you that we're well healed, whole, and blessed. I'll miss the forest for the trees and forget how blessed you really are and how full of thanks your heart should be to a God that supplies all of your needs according to his riches and glory. And then you get to supplication and supplication is just a fancy word for asking God for things. Supplication is when you make your petition to the Lord. You make your request known to the Lord. I'm running out of time. I got to move. This is called the acts model of prayer, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Another way to overcome the appetite of the flesh, you've got to feed your spirit with God's word. This means that the Bible should be more than just a book that collects dust on your shelf or mantle. This is the Bible, God's love letter written to you, for you, and about you. In the book is every answer to every problem and question that you'll ever face in this world. In the book are the words of life that will feed your spirit to help you overcome the appetite of the flesh. Listen to me. We reference or refer to God's holy book as daily bread. Come on now. It's fresh manna from heaven. And as much as we love Chick-fil-A, they ain't got nothing on the bread of life. Come on now, somebody. Although those buns at Chick-fil-A on that spicy chicken. Anyway, I get back in my sermon. This is the, the bread of life and you got to eat it every day. And don't just eat it and don't just read it, but memorize it so that when the enemy rears his ugly head, you can stand on the word of God. I'm going to show you something. Don't be offended by it, but I've done this more times than I can even tell you where the enemy has attacked me. He's tried to pull me back into a life of temptation. I've taken my Bible, laid it on the ground and said, I'm standing on the word of God. I am standing on the rock of Jesus Christ. And I will, come on, if we're going to clap, let's do it well. And I will not move. I'm not coming off this book. I'm not going into that old life. No, I'm feeding my spirit with God's word. God's word. You got to make this a habit. You got to make it a habit to get into the book of life. The psalmist David said it like this in Psalm 119. How can a young man keep his way pure? How, how does he overcome the appetite of the flesh? By keeping it according to your word. A couple more voice, uh, verses. With all of my heart, I have sought you. Don't let me wander from your commandments. And then he says this, 
Your word I have treasured or hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. The B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. Of all the books you can read in this year, don't skip out on the most powerful, most life-changing, watch this, the most sold book in the history of the world, the most stolen book in the history of, if they gonna steal something, take my Bible, come on now. There's something powerful about God's word. But again, I think what happens is we read it and we don't understand it. So let me give you this idea of how to read scripture. It's called SOAP, S-O-A-P, and, and every day you should be taking a shower. Come on now, right? Every day you're gonna use some soap, right? You should also soap in the word. It starts with scripture. So you read the scripture of the day. You journal down what you've observed in that scripture. You write down now how th this is how I can apply what I just read and what I observed. This is how I can apply that to my life. And then you end it with prayer because there's power in prayer. Are we okay today? Is this good? Okay, I got one more. Hang in there with me. They're going to come to the music and we'll give you this final thought. How do I overcome the appetite of the flesh? You feed your spirit with the right people. The right people. I will. Thank you, sweetie. <laughs> feed your spirit with the right people. This isn't on the screen, but you should write it down. Right people equals right places. Wrong people equals wrong places. Did you hear that? Right people, right place. Wrong people, wrong place. You wanna break the cycle? You gotta get around the right people. First uh, Corinthians says it this way. He says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Uh, you've heard me say this before but especially to those of you that are adolescents or young adults, you show me your five closest friends, I'll tell you where you're gonna be in five years. You hang, hang around deadbeats, you're gonna be a deadbeat. You hang around people that ain't got it all together, you're not gonna have it all together either. I don't know who this is for, but young lady that's dating that young man that doesn't know God or love God, and you say, well, I can fix him, you, you can't, pardon the grammar, but you can't fix him. Bad company corrupts good morals. You wanna break the cycle? You gotta feed your spirit with the right people. Um, in, 19, in the 1970s, there was a psychologist by the name of Bruce Alexander who did an addiction study. You, you can Google this, because this is it's true. It's not anything that I'm making up. And they titled the addiction study, Rat Park. Before I tell you a little bit about the study, I want you to know one thing. I'm not calling any of you rats. Come on now, just wanted to clear the air. But the study is profound. I gotta do this fast, because I'm well over time, but I wanna tell you what happened. Bruce Alexander took hundreds and hundreds of rats, and he put them in solitary confinement, in isolation. He caged them individually. Inside of that cage, he put two water bottles, one, water bottle full of pure drinking water, the second water bottle laced with different drugs, cocaine, heroin, etc. For, for an observable period of time, they watched the behavior of these rats who were isolated. Every single rat over time chose 
the laced water with drugs and eventually, watch, every single one of them overdosed and died, all of them. So at that point, the hypothesis was, does what is happening with the rats have to do with the drugs or does it have anything to do with their setting? So he invented Rat Park. And Rat Park, it was a luxurious Disneyland for rats. Mulch, wheels to exercise, ramps to slide down, houses that they could live in, little custom made beds. Come on, you can look it up, I'm telling you. And then in Rat Park, he filled it up with a bunch of other rats. And he also put two water bottles, one pure drinking water and the other laced with cocaine and heroin. And he watched the rats. Every single rat chose the pure drinking water. Even those that tasted of the laced induced uh, drug filled water, they did it intermittently and not one of them overdosed and died. And in this study, Bruce Alexander wrote this. He said this, the right company will always beat the power of temptation. The right company will always beat the power of temptation. Ladies and gentlemen, this is how you break the cycle. Let me close with this thought. What could your life look like if the cycle was broken? If you lived in freedom and you lived in victory? Have you imagined that life? And the second part is this, are you willing to do whatever it takes. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray this word would penetrate to the hearts of your people, that you would stir in them this desire to break the cycle through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of prayer, through the power of God's word, and through the power of right relationships. Whom the Son set free is free indeed, and may we all experience true freedom in you. In the name that is above all names, the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And together the church said, amen and amen. Come on and give Jesus some praise. Come on.